Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu, and Astainu, and Astafiro, when I would be lay him in Shururi and Fusina, women say ye at Yamarina, Manyahdihila who fell a modilla, Woman Yudlil fell and Tajida who are ye Murshida, Washhadu Allah Ilaha illallah who are Dahula Sharikala, Washhadu Enna Mohammed and Abdu who are a Suru, Sallallah who are he while Ali he was Sahbihi was Salim Tesliman Kathira. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يتع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a blessed praise. As he opens up his book with Alhamdulillah, we say Alhamdulillah. And as he started creation, Alhamdulillah, samawat, says in the Quran, praise be to Allah who created the heavens and the earth, we say Alhamdulillah. And even people who enter paradise, after they've entered paradise, I don't know about you, but I know if I'm lucky enough to get in paradise, I'm going to be like, I'm good. I'm, I'm not thinking about anything, but it's time to party. But subhanAllah, Allah says, those people who enter paradise, the first thing they will say, وَقَالُوا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي هَدَانَ لِهَذَا وَمَا كُنَّا لِنَهْتَدِي لَوْلَا أَنْ هَدَانَ اللَّهِ That they will say, Alhamdulillah, because we were not able to make it here. If it was left to us, as the Prophet Muhammad said in his famous prayer to God, do not leave me to myself the blinking of an eye. Don't like entrust me to myself the blinking of an eye. So every breath, every step, every moment that takes us closer to paradise is because Allah out of His mercy brought us to that moment. SubhanAllah. So that's why when people enter paradise, they will say, Alhamdulillah. As he says in the Quran, Yahdi man yasha. Allah guides who he wants. With that in mind, it's such a blessing to be students of the Prophet Muhammad and to have a relationship with him. Because the Prophet Muhammad, we believe, is a facilitator. The one who makes things clear for us and how we live our lives. It's like a GPS to Jannah is the Sunnah. And the Prophet Alayhi Salatu Salam, he describes himself when he says, Innama bu'ithtu mu'alliman muyassiran, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, I was dispatched by God. I was sent by God as a teacher and one who facilitates. Scholars, they commented, they said he facilitates Number one, people learning, entry points into having a relationship with faith because of his incredible character, 
because of his mercy, his patience, his love for people, his shedding tears when he saw people in pain, his missing people's children who died and telling them that he missed their children, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His, missing, his visiting Umm Ala, a woman regularly in his community who he had a friendship with. And when she told him that she had a miscarriage, the Prophet said to her that just as you struggled to keep that child to be pulled from your womb, that child will pull you into Jannah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he's a facilitator to faith because he truly loves people and cares about people. And that's why Allah describes him in the Quran it's translated is that you should know the messenger of Allah is amongst you but in Arabic it literally means that the messenger of Allah is inside you as if his emotional investment in you and his concern for you is though he is you as though he's inside you emotionally and with his his being aware and alert to your needs. And that's why Allah says about him, The Prophet is closer to you than you are to yourself. Like he loves you more than you love yourself. And this is explained in a very beautiful narration where the Prophet ﷺ, he said, I am like someone standing in front of a fire and you are like moths. And I'm just trying to keep you from going into that fire. Like I'm trying with all my effort to protect you and shelter you. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The beauty of our messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, is that not only did he teach us how to worship, that's something that we all are aware of. In fact, we go to some mosques, they fight over how we should worship. Like subhanAllah, imagine what the Prophet would say, alayhi salatu salam, if he saw Muslims fighting over how to live his lifestyle, fighting over good. But the, the Prophet also taught us, especially as men, how to love and how to get in touch with our emotions. And like we live, we live in a society, I remember when I was young, I grew up like in the late 80s, early 90s, it was like, I'm hard. You know, I'm hard. I think LL said, I'm hard from Hollis Boulevard. Like, I'm hard. Whereas Islam tells us that there's times to be hard, but we should never have hard hearts. And that's why Allah says, Allah says that after they turned away from revelation, their hearts became hard. Hard as stones or harder than stones. So what we learn from our Prophet as men and women is that a true human being is not the one who can mask their vulnerabilities by fronting. But a true human being is one who is secure enough within themselves to honestly express what's in their heart. And that's why the first narration that we all learn when we study hadith is what? Actions are by what? By the language of the heart. A niyat. Some scholars called niyat aqwalu qalb. Ibn Qayyim said that your intention actually is how your heart speaks. So, bi Actions are by the voice of the heart. 
by the intention. Unfortunately, we live in a time where, again, we're encouraged. I mean, the word for mask in Greek is personality. So we, we live in a time where we're encouraged to cover ourselves with layers. And those layers, at times, it is a strategic defense. You know, I don't open my house up just to anybody. I got a lock on the front door. Some people may even have a dog or something else. But around the believers, around the community that I say la ilaha illallah with, around people that Allah says inna we're a family. If I can't find the capacity to share my emotions and my feelings with people, then I've missed something from the Prophet's education. Because the Prophet وسلم, he said, if you love somebody, tell them. In fact, somebody came to the, the blessed messenger of Allah. And, and we have to understand the context. These are hard Bedouins, man. These are not like Hallmark card and reading people. These are people that are Jaffa. You know, they're described, that's why the Quraysh, the word Quraysh is from Qirsh, which means a shark. Because people used to say their akhlaq is like a shark. They will devour you. If you've ever been to Mecca, you notice the vibe is different, man. It's harsh, it's rough. You go to Medina, you're like, Talabadru alayna, yeah, I'm feeling it. But Mecca, you're like, whoa, this is real. Other people said the word Quraysh from Qirsh, which means money, because all they were about was what? Living for the love of that money. But the point is, they were harsh people. So imagine the context of a man who comes to the Prophet is trying to understand this new feeling of faith that now is helping him calibrate the language that he never had to express his emotions. Because in the old Arab poetry, you would hear things like, I'm as hard as a rock, like very similar kind of lyrics and songs and culture that perpetuated the idea of being truly human was not to be truly honest with yourself and people around you. So he comes to the Messenger of Allah as a new convert, man, because the story of the companions of the Prophet, for the most part, is a story of conversion. And he comes to the Messenger of Allah, and he says, Messenger of Allah, I love somebody. Like, like it's a new experience. To actually be able to say, I love someone. And I don't know how that rolls because we know that when the Prophet's son Ibrahim died, the Prophet cried, man. And people, the Bedouins, they said to the Prophet, You cry? Uh, so we now understand the cultural construction of manliness and masculinity and bravado is that you shouldn't cry. You gotta be hard. So the Bedouin says to the beloved messenger, you crying? And he said, I can't help it if Allah has taken mercy from your heart. Then he said, the eye cries and the heart hurts, but the words will never speak against the plan of Allah. So now a recipient of the prophetic model of education 
who has now learned to calibrate some of the trauma and frustration of a hard life, the anger of the desert has now been transformed. Because Allah says, يُخْرِجُكُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النَّورِ We took you from darknesses to light. We, lo- we took you from astrays to guidance, is the literal meaning. And he says, O Messenger of Allah, I actually care about another person. And then another narration says, I care about another man. Like friendship and brotherhood and camaraderie. That's sincere. Because the word love is from the word hab. Hab is a seed. So the Prophet plants the seed of love and emotional intelligence in the hearts of the people around him. And then it grows into this incredible expression. And what does the Prophet tell him? He says, then you should tell that person you love them. One person came to the Prophet because they learned through divine love to love those things which weren't sacred. The Prophet is a perfect human being. So it's easy to, to love someone that's perfect. But then that love transfers into the brothers and sisters around them. So you find people will come to the Messenger of Allah and say, Yesterday I hated you more than anyone else. Like Thumama. I hated you yesterday more than anyone else. And today I love you more than my parents. Like that type of experience then is calibrated to the people around them. And that's why the Prophet Allah describes the community of the Prophet. And we should heed this well. Because oftentimes we go into communities, we don't feel loved, man. Young women have to go and negotiate that their gender has been militarized by a community that claims to love them. Young people aren't listened to and given the opportunity to share their brilliance with people. But the Prophet said, I was helped by young people. So you find Allah describes the Sahaba, They loved each other. They had mercy amongst themselves. They were engaged in mercy. So one of the things that we should think about quickly is that Islam is concerned with our emotional capabilities and our emotional intelligence as it is concerned with the other components, worship, how to pray, fasting. And that's why in the Quran we have two different ways of reading one verse, which means they were afflicted by an internal pain. And Allah removed the internal pain. The other way, they were inflicted by an external pain and Allah removed the external pain. What we learn from these two qira'at, these two readings, is that Islam is concerned with the duality of the emotions, the physical, the corporal, and the spiritual. One of the beautiful things I'm seeing here, uh, as I've been here a week, this week, is the opportunity to get in touch with our feelings. You know, I'll be honest with you, when I got married, I brought a lot of that harshness, not harshness, but... You know, not sharing how you feel. Because that's how we've been conditioned. And my wonderful wife is like, oh, I gotta, you got to share, man. You got you to gotta open up that thing. Because each and every one of us, we have some treasure in here. We also got some, you know, some dime bags and stuff that we don't want to pull out. Primos. But people who love us, and that's the first thing we should think about, is investing in people and creating bonds of trust that allow us to love each other, man. 
because the prophet was Amin before he was a prophet. He was trusted before he's a prophet. So creating a bond of love. Secondly, creating spaces where we feel safe to communicate. And what's called in the books of fiqh, amana al-majalis. Right? There's actually a chapter on this in our sacred law, the sanctity of speaking to each other. Like what stays in Vegas, stays in Vegas basically. But here it's like what stays amongst the believers, what happens amongst the believers, stays amongst the believers. And that's why the prophet said the worst person is the one who has two tongues. We call it in Oklahoma, I don't know, Chicago, forked tongue. Someone, you, you tell them things and they respond to you and then as soon as they can, they go and tear you down with someone else. The third thing is that we should be able to say to people, Wallahi, I love you for the sake of Allah. I care for you for the sake of Allah. Inni uhibbuka fillah. Mu'adh was a young man who was raised in the face of incredible circumstances. He was raised in a single parent home. Many of the companions of the prophets were raised in single parent homes. Sayyidina Ismail was raised by a single mother. Sayyidina Muhammad was raised by a single mother. And Mu'adh is growing as a teenager in the community of the prophet. And narration after narration, what does the prophet say to Mu'adh regularly and consistently? Whether they were on a donkey together, whether it was after salah, whether it was those intense moments of just great mentorship, the prophet says to him, Ya Mu'adh, O Mu'adh, Wallahi inni uhibbuk. By Allah, I love you. So when the Messenger of Allah السلام, is departing this world, a few months before that, he dispatches Mu'adh in his early 20s to Yemen. And he says to Mu'adh, I don't know if I'm going to see you next time. Mu'adh immediately understands that the Messenger of Allah is going to die. And he breaks him down into tears and he begins to weep. And he said, the last thing that the prophet told me was have good character with people. The last is that we as individuals understand that when we mask and hide our emotions, we actually are reinforcing our insecurities. And we are impeding our ability to truly love in the future. And that's why Imam al-Ghazali said that a form of truthfulness is that you're truthful to your soul. That you're honest with who you are. So ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the maturity and the emotional bandwidth to see beyond the shallowness of a, 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 a culture, I would consider a, the, revel, the wahi of shaitan is the wahi that's telling us to hate one another, and to despise one another, and, and, and to hide our emotions. And that's why we see, unfortunately perhaps, shootings across the country now. People have everything in the world and they go out and kill 150 people in Las Vegas or 75 people or whatever. People rocking into schools and shooting children in the school. Maybe it's because they don't have the ability to articulate their true feelings so they project this in a bad way. And that's why the Prophet said that the hearts are like jars. He said the qulub aniyatullah Hearts are like the jars of God. And we all know this. If you try to put too much in a jar, what happens? It'll crack. Or worse, it'll what? 
it'll break. And when it breaks, someone walks on it and what? And cuts their feet. So if I keep putting my emotions in my heart and jarring those emotions into my chest, I may crack, I may break, and I may cut someone else. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fulfill us spiritually and to strengthen us emotionally and to really give us this, the bravery to truly love for the sake of Allah and to be as a community that truly, truly appreciates each other. أقول قولي هذا أستغفر الله لي ولكم فاستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله you know how much the Prophet loved people? This is powerful. Because sometimes in this age, we feel far. Like, we're not close to the time of the companions. We're not close to the time of the Prophet ﷺ. But one day, he was walking in a graveyard. And he said to his companions, He said, I would love to see our brothers and sisters. Sahaba got jealous, man. One of the great scholars said, who could not be jealous for the love of the Messenger of Allah? Like, who couldn't be jealous? You know? And they said, Alasna ikhwanak, which actually is like, we're not your brothers? That's the feeling in Arabic. We lose it in translation. Translation really has harmed us because it takes out the emotional grit of the language. So if you read the translations, like, pardon us. We're not your brethren in faith. But Alasna ikhwanak is like, what? So Al-Qadi said, they were excused for this lapse of character with the Prophet because nobody could contain not being loved by the Prophet amongst the Sahaba. And he said to them, Bal antum ashabi, you're my Sahaba. The ones I'm talking about are those who will come after us. And that's you. That's why Ibn Abdu'l-Bar said, I wish I could be from them. That later part of the Ummah. You know, another reason that we love the Messenger of Allah is relevance. And our faith, we believe, is one which speaks to every situation, every community, every neighborhood, every block, every address. It has the potential, the capability, through its broader objectives of bringing good and preventing harm, of touching people's lives in many ways. And there's a verse of Quran that uh, I was reading recently and then kind of looking at what's going on in the world which is incredible man because one of the things is like we may not find confidence sometimes in, in, the, in the teachings around us because they may not be relevant to our lives and that creates this gulf and that's a tough place to be being lonely in your spiritual community is horrible and this verse says قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَعِذُكُمْ بِوَاحِدًا أن تقوموا مثنى وفرادا أن تقوموا لله مثنى وفرادا ثم تتفكروا The 46th verse of Shulta Saba, the 34th chapter. Watch this, man. This is amazing. I get chills. That the Prophet is instructed to say to the people of Mecca because they're in a state of intoxication. They thought the Prophet was a magician. 
You know, it's like when you say something crazy and your mom or dad or your friend be like, you drunk? You fried up? They said to the prophet, you're crazy. You drunk? Don't you know who this man is? Are your faculties compromised? Can't you see that this man has no shadow? Then they would say, he's a magician. He drunk. Can't you see? Allah said, وَهُمْ يَنْذُرُونَ إِلَيْكَ وَهُمْ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ Allah says in the Quran, they look at you, but they can't see. And what it means, يَنْذُرُ means they look at you with their eye. يُبْصِرُ They can't see with their heart. And that's why that blind man was able to see what they couldn't see. Because he didn't need his eyes to see the light of the Prophet. His heart saw the light of the Prophet. The blind man is the one who can see. So the verse says, they think you're a magician. They think you're crazy. So then Allah says, If you read the ancient explanation of this verse, there's a great scholar named Al-Harari who says, this is, this is really cool. At least I think so. MashaAllah. He said, which we find in English is translated as to stand for God, to become responsible, to arise for God. Al-Harari says, You know how you translate yaqadha in English? Woke. That's the literal translation of yaqadha. Mustaqid is the one who makes other people woke. So we're living in an age now where that's the word. Are you woke? It's getting old now. But the Quran says that you should be in a state of alertness because the Prophet is not a madman. The Prophet is not afflicted by magic. You need to wake up and recognize. And our scholars said that being woke, and the reason I say this, this was 700, 800 years ago that this is in our text. Like where, where is, is that message that's in our tradition? A tradition of not just sitting in the mosque and praying. A tradition, for example, in Egypt, when I was studying there, that you find certain minarets are built differently. I asked my teacher, why are those minarets different? He said, that was waqful to you. That was a charity that the Egyptians made for birds because they feared that if they did not serve the birds, Allah will ask them. So they put bird feeders around the minaret. They're troughs in ancient Cairo. And I asked one of my teachers, he was a Sufi, what is that troth? He said, waqful qilab. This was a charitable trust for dogs. I said, what? He said, yeah, we were worried 200, 300 years ago that if a dog died of thirst, Allah will punish us. So we mobilized and organized as a community to create these troughs of water so that dogs would never be thirsty. That's our community. That's our history. So right in the Quran, woke. Al-Harari said, woke is in three or four areas. Number one is woke in our relationship with God. The Prophet said, everybody sleep until they wake up. And what he meant is, aware of Allah. What's called muraqabah, to live a life of cautiousness, to make the right decisions, to avoid the doubtful, 
Number two is to be awoke in my soul, to be aware of the evil that's in my heart, the things that I like, the triggers, and also to be aware of things that motivate me to do good. Allah is closer to us than we can imagine spiritually. Aware of everything. And the Prophet said, Allahumma muqalib al-qulub, thabbit qalbi ala dinik. Oh Allah, the turner of the heart. Keep, keep my heart firm on the truth. Keep me aware. The third, he said, is to be aware of the needs of people. And Al-Harari says something very beautiful. That means that you and I are not participating in implicit or explicit oppression or harm. So we limit our ability to be cooperating in harming people and then we invest in removing the harm. That's why we have an axiom in Sharia that says harm has to be removed. So that's institutional work. And the last thing he said is to be woke with your time. He said to be aware of like how I failed to use my time properly. And that's why the Prophet said, Two blessings people lost out on, one of them is time. So, here is just a point that I would like to make that within our tradition, our sacred tradition, and even within our scholarly tradition, is the ability to take current events, and I, I look at the tradition as soil and take those things and plant them in the soil of our faith tradition. And then what grows through a proper cultivation can be shared with the world around us so that they can see that Islam is concerned, that Islam has answers for problems. As one non-Muslim told me once, man, Muslims just fight themselves. Like they don't have time to like deal with us. They're busy fighting each other. To ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Bless our hearts to be pure. Ask Allah to forgive us of our, our shortcomings. We ask Allah to protect us from being implicit or explicit contributors to harm or pain. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us dedicated and passionate about removing uncomfortability for people, pain, trauma, hardship. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring the true sense of love into our lives and the maturity to express our feelings with those who are worthy of hearing our feelings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa to bless our marriages. We ask Allah to bless our brother and sister who are expecting a baby in July. MashaAllah, may Allah make this baby uh, as according to his older brother, a girl. <laughs> and a blessed, a blessed sister, inshallah. We pray for our parents who are ill or have passed away. We pray for those friends of ours that are still lost, that haven't been able to see the light that Allah has lifted the veils from our heart to be able to see. Ask Allah subhanahu wa to bless those of us who may have trauma in our homes or feel threatened in our homes to give us hikmah and wisdom. We ask Allah subhanahu wa to bless our students who are here from New York, may Allah accept every step every blinking of your eye, every breath you took for his service. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you to truly be change makers for the future. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to unite us with our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put us in the, the, 
the rahmah and mercy of Allah in the hereafter. We ask Allah to forgive us all of our sins that we've committed knowingly or unknowingly. We turn to you, Allah, with fear of our sins, but our hope in your mercy is greater than the fear we have of that evil. We ask Allah to bless all of the people who are traveling with safe journeys. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to unite us again for a service and service of his deen. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.